What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back. It's another edition of the Believe Podcast here on the Buffalo Rumblings family of podcasts. We are so happy you have taken the time, wherever and however, to download our episode of Believe, trying to keep you up to date on the latest Buffalo Bills news, both during the offseason and the regular season, as you've come to know. My name is John Boccasino, being joined by my long-lost brother-in-arms, Jamie DeMuto, who uh, is is back after a summer sabbatical slash vacation slash hiding from the government. I'm not sure, Jamie, what your deal was, but I'm so glad you're back amongst the living with us. Yeah, it's uh, it was very obvious to me that I did not do a very good job of communicating the reason I was gone, but hey, I'm back. Everything okay? This is a chance to vent if you need to uh, you know, be therapeutic or anything. You know, I've never been better. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that because especially, you know, I know uh, our listeners were probably, you know, they like as much as I enjoy, you know, doing the pod. I mean, you know, you're the yang to my yin. You know, we we are like the Damian Harris and James Cook of the Buffalo Bills backfield where you know, it takes two <laughs> to make a thing go right. How many references can I put out here? I don't know. I You're really on a roll. Have you been <laughs> have, have you been writing these down? Like how long have you been thinking about that? Literally within the last 15 seconds, it all came off the top of my head. Although it, I will say the yin and the yang thing I drew from a, uh, as I do these links for Buffalo rumblings, like a little daily roundup of, of what's taken place. And McDermott and Bean had both mentioned they thought that the Bills backfield was going to be very yin and yang like with Harris and Cook. So I, I will admit to cop in that from that headline, which I wrote you know maybe an hour ago. <laughs> all right. Well, no harm, no foul there. Oh, yeah, we try to keep it loose here on the podcast. But in all sincerity, Jamie, it is great to have you back because as fun as it might be for me delivering a monologue to our podcasting audience, it's much better with multiple voices delivering the Bills content and the relevant Bills news. And, you know, Jamie, for the first time in a long time, you know, we've been going through the the dregs of the offseason and wondering about storylines, but it was all kind of, you know, speculation and conjecture. We actually have had three full days of training camp practice at St. John Fisher University in uh, Rochester, which means training camp is underway. And uh, it's great to actually have some meaningful, you know, football developments to talk about more so than the overhyped Stefan Diggs drama dilemma. Oh, my God. I'm so tired of hearing about that. It's it's the kind of thing where, yes, okay, Stefan is a diva. He's overreacting to stuff. It's it's what he does. Do we have to keep talking about it? I I honestly I'm I'm sick of it too. But I also feel like it's a non-story. You know, I mean, honestly, right. like he was he was pissed about some things. 
you know, him and Josh, I'm sure have hashed it out. Uh, and I, I loved how the media that basically made this a story in the first place uh, was fawning all over themselves to get out the stories uh, after day one at camp where I applaud Diggs for sitting there and taking all of the questions, including that one question from an unnamed uh, reporter who happens to work for a national uh, gathering of media uh, with a two initials at the beginning of it. I'm not going to name names, but if you're in the know, I think you can put together who I'm talking about, who asked him a non question and Diggs was like, what's your question, man? Like, just tell me what you want to know and I'll answer it. The media is looking for all these little gotcha moments or making drama out of nothing. And I'm telling you, man, this is much ado about nothing with Diggs and the offense and Josh Allen. I just can't wait for them to put it all to uh, to bed and, and kick people's butts with the dynamic offense in 23. <laughs> Let's go, MFR. <laughs> well, it's been fun, Jamie. And, uh, and you know, we mentioned here uh, with Bill Lee with training camp underway. I actually had the privilege of going to camp uh, yesterday on Friday during a blistering hot uh, summer afternoon, summer morning session, rather, at Fisher. Um, got to watch the boys up close and personal. And, you know, it was it was really fun because it's it's one of those things where it signifies officially. I mean, we are I think we're Tyler Matikiewicz days away from the start of the season, 44, uh, as we sit here. And, you know, we were thinking about some topics to discuss on this week's Believe. And this might be a hard exercise for me, um, but I think I'm going to uh, do my best to put a good spin on it. Jamie and I were talking about causes for concern and you all know that I drink the bills Kool-Aid and can be John the optimist. And, you know, Jamie is my, my balance in that department there. He can be very critically thinking when he needs to about our bills franchise. So we thought let's put our collective heads together and come up with a couple of things that bills fans should be concerned with heading into the season. And don't worry, a future episode is going to focus on reasons for optimism, but we figured let's start off with the negative Let's start off with the things we're worried about. Jamie, as we sit here, what keeps you up at night worrying about the Buffalo Bills? Like, What are you thinking is a bigger, big concern right now? The tackle position. Now, we know that Deion Dawkins is a consummate pro and has been performing at a high level for years now. But he did take a little bit of a step back last season, according to Pro Football Focus. But the real issue is... Spencer Brown looked like somebody whose starting ability was questionable. And they really didn't bring in any competition there, nor did they bring in anybody I'm confident in to be a swing tackle if there is an injury there. Brandon Shell is terrible. He got eaten alive by the Buffalo Bills when he was playing for the Miami Dolphins. And he just does not inspire any confidence. I would love to say that I think Tommy Doyle is going to be the answer there, but it looks like he's still rusty working his way back. And Dave Dave Questenberry is just a – I mean, he's, he's a journeyman. He's just a guy. He's not the worst, but I don't think he's any better than Brandon Shell. Yeah, um, Quesenberry, I think, is serviceable, um, is probably the word I'd use to describe uh, his level of play when he came uh, to the Bills last year. I believe he started uh, three games. Uh, he had significant reps uh, in four others. And, you know, his weakness, his Waterloo is when you get someone who's got some speed and explosiveness 
um, he can get beat, uh, which is not a really good trait you want to have. Yeah, his feet yeah. just don't keep up. They no, he he's got the physicality, he's got the strength, he just doesn't have that agility, which I almost feel like is a little bit unfair for some of these tackles, you know, where like the edge rushers are getting so much stronger and so much faster and quicker. And you've got these plodding offensive linemen who are supposed to find a way to keep up in a league that, you know, really values, uh, you know, getting, uh, having sacks, having, you know, they, 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 they make it easy for, you know, holding penalties get called a lot more often. I feel like uh, when you're watching the game and that's what offensive linemen try to do to slow down the edge rushers. And that's where, again, you know, a guy like David Quesenberry can kind of be behind the eight ball. Um, I have to say I'm probably a little, and, and the reports I've read so far, Tommy Doyle has not had a great first couple of days of camp, but I'm willing to forgive and forget and kind of see how the rest of camp plays out. But mm-hmm. I am, I don't know why, but I feel like I'm a little more optimistic about Spencer Brown than it seems, uh, than it seems you are, but let's, let's, let's do the, uh, the discussion here, Jamie, what about Spencer Brown in particular? Like I, I take it. You're not buying the whole, Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott have a ton of faith that he's going to rebound from an awful sophomore season to revert back to his first year promise, right? Right. And they are saying that a lot of it had to do with his back injury. And of course, you know, if you have a core injury, it's going to affect everything you do physically. My concern is more of a what if. What if he doesn't bounce back to the the guy who showed potential originally. If he doesn't, the Bills have a gaping hole uh, on their offensive line. But, you know, I, I like him as a dude. I, I, I love the passion that he plays with. I love that he's athletic enough that he can hit a moving target when he's lead blocking. My concern is that he plays too high. He struggles with changing direction. And... He's allowing quicker defensive ends to get into his pads and get around him. And it's one of those things where his height combined with the fact that his feet probably don't move side to side as fast as you want to see them. That could that could be a problem. But my biggest concern is that if Spencer Brown doesn't work out, you have nothing. That's the big concern is the depth there. Yeah, no, I, I I would agree. I mean, when you look at it, the the Bills, you know, true to their word, whether you know you believe in the philosophy or not, they are all in on Spencer Brown as being the starting right tackle this year, mm-hmm. and then that's evidenced by the fact that nobody came in uh, as competition. I mean, and except for you know, again, retreat Brandon Shell, uh, Tommy Doyle, who's still very raw, and David Quisenberry. Um, I will say, Jamie, I want to give a lot of credibility to the theory that Brown suffered immensely last year because he wasn't right. He wasn't fully, he didn't get a true off season. He didn't get a full, you know, training camp and preseason due to that back surgery and the recovery, the rehab process. So I want to see what manifests itself over the first month of the season. But I think you're extremely correct to have that as a concern because look, Deion Dawkins, we know what you've got with Deion Dawkins. We know what you mm-hmm. got with Mitch Morse at the center position. We're hoping that the Bills offensive line in general is going to be much better with Mahler, Osiris Torrance, and with either Rick Bates, Connor McGovern. Connor McGovern obviously is going to have a starting role, and Rick Bates will see where he ends up 
uh, on the line um, as a, as a starter. But I think the theory is the bills thought more vulnerability was present on the interior of the line mm-hmm. than the exterior, but it would have been nice to bring in another body. They're, they're probably, they're definitely viewing Brandon shell as, as that guy. But I really hope that Spencer Brown, cause you're right. He's a great guy, great dude really loves the community. And I think like he's going to revert back to that potential. He flashed in his rookie year because he just wasn't fully healthy and, and prepared uh, off of back surgery. And, and plus, I don't know if you ever had any back issues, Jamie, it's hard to get up and like put one foot in front of the other. When you've thrown a back muscle, I can't yes. imagine trying to protect this dude who's intent on wrecking your quarterback when your back is not hundred percent. So it is a concern, but, I would say that uh, the stars are aligning for Spencer Brown to erase that concern. Okay, I'll, I'll agree with that, and I and I will see to you. Uh, you know, not that we're uh, having a huge argument, but I feel like the depth, the lack of depth, is concerning. So I will definitely mm-hmm. agree that that is a major because if something happens, and you never know how fragile things can be when it. I mean, look at what we've already seen in the early going with training camps alone. I mean, Joe Burrow had an injury that required a cart coming out. Jalen Ramsey's done until December. Um, Mm -hmm. Garrett Wilson, the talented, promising Jets wide receiver, is sidelined for a while. I mean, these injuries happen all the time, and it's a very precarious position. So I'm hoping that everyone stays healthy. Um, Maybe I I guarantee you the Bills will be scouring the 53-man rosters and who gets cut to see if they can bring in, you know, some more bodies. And I give them a lot of credit. Like, look what they did with – when Naheem Hines suffered that unfortunate injury just uh, by sitting on his jet ski, um, yeah. and they they bring in promising back Darrington Evans, who could handle some of the ret- – he's not nearly as established as Hines, obviously, but this right. Bills regime knows how to scour the waiver wire. It's just – it would have been nice to have a veteran, you know, proven, talented guy to come in, but they didn't have the money for it either. That's why it's all such a – man, it's hard talking about this because, like – what would you do if you're Brandon Bean and you're spreading your pennies around? It's you got to pick one well to go with. Right. And obviously they're uh, conserving their pennies because now they're fighting with Naheem Hines on the money that he's owed or trying to recuperate it. But that's that's a conversation for another day. What is concerning you with the Buffalo Bills, my friend? Yes. Yeah, so my first concern uh, that I want to bring up, um, and it's one that I feel... I was struggling because there's a couple that I wanted to mention. And one of them was the offensive offensive tackle and the depth position. But the other one is one that you and I have talked about exhaustively uh, in preseason conversations. And it's the middle linebacker competition, mm-hmm. you know, and, and here's the thing, Jamie, I'm going to say this, you know, me, I'm going to find a way to put a positive spin on the middle linebackers, but only because of what I've read from people who are trusted Bill's writers, there have been some very glowing uh, progressive days that have taken place at Fisher in the early battles where we've seen Balin Specter, we've seen Terrell Bernard, and we've seen Dorian Williams all have a really strong performance with the ones, but that's only training camp and the helmets and the pads, the pads aren't on, they're not going full fledged. So as great as the progress would have been so far with you know, Baylor Inspector reportedly flying all over the field. And I saw him. I mean, he made there was one play at camp on Friday where I want to say it was uh, James Cook was taking the ball out of the backfield. Inspector just blew up the play and made a really nice tackle for no gain. 
but that's also training camp. This isn't a proven mm-hmm. regular season guy. And I'm really concerned. Matt Milano, no worries whatsoever. He's going to be awesome. He is such an emerging player and all pro talent. The Bills know what they have at the linebacker spot on the weak side. But the critical role that the middle linebacker plays on this defense, I I still don't feel comfortable going in with a bunch of, I mean, most of these guys are were third round picks. You know, Doreen Williams this year, um, Balen Spector, Terrell Bernard was a third rounder in 22. I know Balen went a little later than the third round, but the Bills seem to be taking a calculated risk in punting on the middle linebacker spot, hoping that one of their younger players can step up and fill a void of a guy, Tremaine Edmonds, who I feel was criminally, criminally underrated in Buffalo. Mm -hmm. And when you look at what the Bills have on the roster, we've seen these faces before. Terrell Dodson and A.J. Klein struggle in coverage. Balen Spector couldn't get on the field last year. Terrell Bernard, small out of position at the middle linebacker spot. So it's definitely a reason for concern because if the Bills have the wrong person on the field, they become vulnerable to either the pass or the run. Who's your dark horse in this race? So I I feel like it's wide open um, who's going to come in here. I really feel like it could be any one of these guys. You know, it's funny how the Dorian Williams – arc the story arc has has meandered so much from that was odd yeah and bills fans rightfully so were like why are we drafting this guy who seems to be kind of the same type of player as some of the linebackers they had there um honestly i feel like the dark horse to win the job is aj klein um Hmm. well i i say that with a grain of salt because aj klein or balen specter I wouldn't be surprised if any of those guys win the position because I like Spectre's athleticism. I like the fact that he's disruptive um, and he knows the scheme. He knows how to fit into the outside linebacker spot. Bernard seems to get by on instincts and like those are good. um, And they're being able to recognize a play is a valuable trait, but you're right. He's not the most, he's not the quickest. He's not someone who's going to overpower and, and make up for a slow start when he's trying to get off the play. So I feel like he's as much as he's making a, a, par, a good display right now, I think it's not permanent. I would say right. you know, Dorian Williams is more of a long-term project. I don't see him getting the job right away off the bat. So what are the Bills going to look for when it comes to winning this position? They want someone who's going to be good in both pass coverage and run stuffing. And I feel that's where like A.J. Klein – um, gets it or Balen Specter. Balen Specter is probably my dark horse to win this position just because of, again, the athleticism that he shows out there, what he's able to do. Um, honestly, I, I should back up though, Jamie. I feel like another name I want to mention that's not getting, uh, that I have neglected to bring up in this battle is Tyrell Dodson. Um, he, if I have, if I have to take stock of it again, I honestly feel like Dodson might be the guy who comes out and, you know, and just claims it out of necessity because he's a veteran who's done this before and seems to be the least hurtful uh, in his both pass coverage and run coverage. So that's my long winded answer of saying it could be any one of those guys. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Somebody needs to step it up in a way that they haven't previously, because, you know, as we said, a couple of those guys, they struggle against uh, they struggle against the pass 
Terrell Bernard going to struggle against the run because he's only coming in at like 220 pounds. And man, it just might be Balin Specter. I tell you, there's something to be said for what he, um, again, what he put on tape with the first team reps. You know, he was really athletic. Uh, he was able to, he batted down a pass. He made a couple of really nice run stuffing tackles. But it's all, you know, I'll, I'll really, we should, we should put a pin in this conversation on, mm-hmm. uh, until the, uh, the Colts preseason game, that first game of the preseason, because that's really going to be our opportunity uh, to see who can do what and who can bring what to the middle linebacker spot. But it's, that's, that's my biggest reason for concern with this team in general is just the middle linebacker uncertainty. You go from having a known commodity in Tremaine Edmonds to a bunch of guys who on paper, if you could merge all five of Buffalo's middle linebacker candidates into one body, I think we'd be all right, but sadly we can't do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that, um, I, it's hard to disagree with that statement, <laughs> Mr. Boccasino. We try to bring some levity as we're sitting here uh, talking on Believe about our causes for concern heading into the 23 season. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Jamie, I've got one more I want to talk about, but I want to go to you and see what you want to bring out there and invent about when it comes to concerns. Okay, so if we're being honest here, this is a Super Bowl caliber team. There's not a lot of reason for concern uh, with, with what they've got going on here. You know, of course, the injury bug, it hit them really hard last year. They we talked about it for a couple seasons prior to that. You know, they were going to regress to the mean when it comes to injuries. So I have to be honest with my next concern. I'm really scraping the bottom of the barrel because this is a really good team with a really good roster. 
So I guess I'm just going to throw out there that I'm concerned about Sean McDermott going back to defensive play calling and being the head coach. And the only concern there is that he wasn't particularly great at managing the game when he was a new head coach, but he's gotten much, much better at it. He's become a far improved game manager when it comes to taking timeouts, when it comes to uh, you know managing the clock and his player groupings. I'm just concerned that by putting this back on his plate, that he may take a step back when it comes to the game management situations. Now, of course, there's great coaches out there that call plays. Belichick did it for years. He called both offense and defense one season. Andy Reid, nobody's going to say, oh, well, he's not he's not a, a good head coach because he's calling plays or vice versa. I'm just concerned that Leslie Frazier isn't there. It's going to be an adjustment. And Sean McDermott, well... Maybe it's going to be an awful lot on his plate. Yeah, it's it's you're, it's definitely a valid uh, concern to have because I know Sean has that esteemed and prestigious defensive background that he's coming from, and you know he. Re, I mean, he on the one hand he really knows the personnel. I feel like better than if they had brought in an outsider, but it's not something that you see all that often. I was trying to see. Um, and a quick search, if I could find out how many play callers um, are also head coaches. And I'm struggling to come up with exactly how many there are um, that do call the plays. I know Andy Reid for the Chiefs, like you mentioned, uh, is a typical example of someone who handles both duties of being a head coach and the guy who calls the plays. There's really not that many coaches that do it, you know, because it's, it's a full time job to do one much less to take on both. So I, I feel that's a really good um, example of a concern. And, you know, it's, I don't know. I don't know if, if Sean can, can handle all of it. I mean, it's, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a lot to handle and uh, hopefully he can prove us wrong. But I think that's a valid concern to almost have putting on, you know, what's one of the shortcomings that the bills have had in the playoff failures. Mm-hmm. It's been, it's been the defense, you know, it's been 13 seconds, uh, it's been the Bengals game where they gave up 27 points and only scored 10. It's been giving up 31 to Skylar Thompson and the banged up Dolphins offense. And you're telling me that a new defense that's looking to replace its middle linebacker that is, you know, going to be without Von Miller to start the year. There's a lot of talent on this defense. And I, I just I hope that Sean's the right guy to I guess I have more faith in Sean doing it than bringing in an outsider. But it's a lot for one person to handle. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. And I just don't want to see him lose his ability to manage the game along the way Um, and also influence the offensive side of the ball. Because, you know, we we know that Ken Dorsey maybe was a little predictable last year. So anyway, I think it's time to hand it over to you. What you got, buddy? That's a really good segue into my uh, second concern. And you're right, Jamie. I mean, this is a team that lost three games last year by a total of eight points that easily could have won at least two of those three games um, in the regular season. Of course, the missed field goal by Tyler Bass, the miscommunication, you know, towards halftime, the Gabe Davis dropping the bomb that a, an injured Josh Allen put in his bread basket uh, on the road versus the Jets. I mean, the Bills had chances to win 
all of the games that they were in last year. So we really are nitpicking and splitting hairs when coming up with some concerns. But the one I'm really a little worried about is on the coaching side too. And it is Ken Dorsey. Um, He came in with such expectations because of what Brian Dable had set, you know, before with making this offense be dynamic and prolific and the bills offense came out gangbusters the first half of the season. And I know Josh Allen got hurt and with the UCL injury, it took him a while to recover and recuperate. So I'm not going to pin all of the second half offensive shortcomings, by the way, a team that still scored 27 points a game on offense. It wasn't like Mm -hmm. they were slouching at the, you know, they, they dropped off dramatically, but we expect great things from this offense. And my concern with Dorsey is how is he going to be able to handle and counteract all of the personnel that the bills are trying to incorporate uh, when it comes to their offense. And you've got Dalton Kincaid coming in, whether he's a slot receiver, whether he's a tight end, you know, he has been dynamic so far in training camp, which makes me feel like this is less of a concern. And so far they're finding a way to have both Knox and Kincaid. um, I'd like to call them the donkey Kong brothers uh, out there (laughs) as Buffalo's tight ends. Like they've proven themselves so far to make a good impression, but will Ken Dorsey open up the playbook, rely more on 12 personnel to get the offense where it needs to go. How is he going to factor in all these weapons to make Buffalo's offense be streamlined? That really, to me, is a major concern. And when you look back at last season, other teams were saying that the Buffalo Bills offense was very predictable. They knew what routes they were going to run. They, Gosh, I think it was Patrick Peterson that, after having a big interception against Buffalo, said, Well, the coaching staff kept saying to us all week, hey, you're going to get a chance at one this week because that receiver right there, he only breaks inward on routes. The the fact that they went up against a team that knew exactly what Gabe Davis was going to do the entire game is not good. No, that is not good, Bob. And and the predictability and the same thing goes with like the the playoff loss where the Bills are still running these complicated, you know, receiving patterns in the snow where they never had a chance to get there because the Bengals just went after Josh Allen. They went after him with the pressure and it's like, you know what? You can run your six, seven, eight step routes all you want. Who cares? We're going to get to the quarterback before you've made a chance to break your route off Mm -hmm. and get open. Um, I feel like watching him adjust, watching him be able to see what kind of adjustments they do and they make is really going to be important for Ken Dorsey because the bills have all of the possible weapons out there that they could need. They, they really do. I mean, you can't fault this offense. It's everything. And then they bring in Andy Isabella, the former second round pick who was cut by the Ravens to add more bodies to it. The bills have so many weapons on here that it's really, you know, I'm curious to see what is going to happen and how Ken Dorsey handles the challenges because Jamie, when you ask me about this, it's not Josh Allen who bears a lot of the pressure. It's Ken Dorsey calling the right plays and not being predictable. Mm-hmm. Uh, 100% agreed. That is that is a concern going into this year. I, uh, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there, buddy. And there's, it's interesting. I don't want to um, – I'm trying to find it because there's this unbelievable um, tweet – that was out there in, in a series of events by cover one. I want to give them a ton of credit, but they're calling and I, I'm not going to get the exact details of what the, the, the scheme is, but apparently so far in camp, the bills have been running um, kind of a diamond offense 
And the diamond formation, which can have a situation where they, they shift to an empty backfield, um, Kincaid and Knox on the field at the same time. Um, it's basically, it looks like there's, there's pictures on cover one here where you've almost got, I'm looking at it right now live. You've got Kincaid and Knox in the backfield next to Josh Allen. Three yards behind Josh Allen is James Cook. And then you've got Davis and you've got Diggs spread out wide. And they're calling this the diamond formation. And the Bills have been running it pretty effectively in training camp. Maybe I, we can tip our hats a little bit to Dorsey, the innovator, because this looks like a formation the Bills have been able to be successful with so far in training camp. Interesting. I'm glad you brought that up because I haven't seen it yet. Go check out the great guys on Cover One. They do amazing work covering the Buffalo Bills, as, of course, do all of us at Buffalo Rumblings. And uh, Jamie and I are happy to be talking Bills football with you each and every week. We just gave you our causes for concern, uh, being a little skeptical of the Buffalo Bills heading into this upcoming year. We want to hear from you fans. What are you worried about us on Twitter? Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico, and I am at John Boccasino. We'll be back next weekend talking more Buffalo Bills football here on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.